Strachan and Bell together. There's Cooper breaking through. A chance now. This will be the fourth ball for Aberdeen. And Cooper puts it in with both Rangers running. Well, suddenly it's become a rout. Of course, when things are going wrong against you, you don't get the breaks of the ball. Cooper in with Stewart. He didn't really know where the ball was, but he got the break. And as you say, it's a schoolboy's dream being able to take your time. Knowing that really, all you've got to do is crack it into the back of the net. Hello and welcome to the Here We Go podcast, the podcast that likes to say, nah, we're not doing that. So we're back here again, looking for solutions to what went wrong, pointers as to a sustainable way forward. Uh, well, we'll try to grope our way towards that in this week's show, but there's going to be some pain along the way um, as we look back to Saturday Easter Road, an all-time humiliation for most sides. For this one, not even the worst of the week. With me to work through that pain is, as ever, Martin Glynis. Um Martin, are you getting used to these post-sacking shows yet? Six years without doing one, and then three in what seems like the last fortnight. Um, I don't think I don't think I'll ever get used to them. Um, but you know, as I'm sure as I'm sure we'll come to later, um, I'm not used to running my suggestion for manager into the ground. So um, looking forward <laughs> to that. Um, then we welcome back Anthony Evans. Anthony, uh, are you prepared to grill the next manager at press conferences as much as you managed to do to Jim the other week? <laughs> yeah, well, it's it's part of the job, isn't it? It's maybe not the, uh, you know, some some guys are scared to do it, some aren't. But you know, have to see who the character is. Maybe they'll be able to uh, give a bit give a bit back next time. Who knows? And finally with us, uh, Martin Ingram. Uh, Martin, it's all gone to shit since you let Grant and Elvik win that quiz. You know. This is what happens. You you let the standards fall, and it just seeps through the entire football club and the organisation. So I, <laughs> I I can only take my share of the the blame for that. I I think that's fair. I think that's fair and magnanimous of you to do so. Um, so Easter Road then, and I could rattle off a thousand statistics on how bad a result that was. But is anyone really that surprised? This one's entirely on Dave, isn't it, Martin? Uh, Clunas. Yeah, it's like. You know, we when we did the podcast during the week, we said you know it's a matter of time. Um, you know when they back, they back, they backed they backed Jim Goodwin, and you know, I think everybody realised. You know, bar maybe one or two of Jim's pals in the media, everybody realised it was you know it was a matter of time. Um, and I think that Cormac completely got it wrong, and you know, I, I I I hoped in my heart of hearts that we wouldn't we wouldn't lose yesterday. Never mind, I didn't see that coming at all, um, you know, um, and and Cormac has to has to take the blame for that when you come out with such a statement as statement as he did the other day, which is pretty much just saying, you know, you're you're you know, the hangman is waiting to just pull the lever, um, at the first hint of a bad result, you know, it's it doesn't do anything. It doesn't do anything for the manager. It doesn't do anything for the way he can motivate the players because if he knows he's probably going to be out the door at the first defeat. You know that'll affect him. The players will see that as well. 
uh, that will you know, creep into the, the mentality of the players, I'm sure, and I'm sure it did yesterday. And Cormac, you know, yeah, we can probably come back to you know his, his, his post-match interview. Um, you know, he came out and he was very, I suppose you could say he's very frank and he's very honest and he got a wee bit emotional. I think that's because he realised that he's, he's, he's dropped a bollock here um, and he's, he's made a big mistake. I think there's probably, uh, could be arguments for Goodwin, you know, having gone earlier. I've, I've seen some of that across social media that, you know, he, you know since the, because of the results since the World Cup and the performances, you know, there's a, there's a couple of points where he could have been gotten rid of. Um, and I think that, you know, Cormac has just sort of sat, sat back and allowed the form and the, you know, the, the, or the form just to just fall apart. Without, without saying anything, and now he wants to come out and he wants to come out and make statements like he did on Wednesday, and I think it was really, I think it was really terrible from him, and it and it goes to show that, you know, you can be successful in any other business you want to be in, um, but I know, and yes, he's a massive Aberdeen fan, and we get all that stuff, but in terms of running a football club, um, Cormac really needs help from somebody who is experienced in that in that in business and knows what they're doing. This wasn't a path back for Jim Goodwin after Monday night. Yeah, I had an opportunity to listen to both of your podcasts from earlier this week. So both in the immediate fallout from the Darville game and then post-statement. And I agreed with both of you 100%. Um, when you have, and again, obviously coming off of the back of some pretty terrible results. Um, I don't know if it was Anthony's article, but it was a Aberdeen Live article uh, post Darvel about the six key points post World Cup where things start to unravel and none of them were the Darvel game. So, so in the in, in in the context of all of that, all of that that had been happening beforehand, um, may, maybe if you just get a Scottish Cup result, which is you know maybe again you know you think of like the Stenhouse Muirs and the Queen's Parks, um, or something which is kind of like a, just a more of an anomaly. That's one thing, but the the combination of such an awful result to and again I know, I know in reality darvel are probably a much better standard than sixth tier but it's it, it's still the case we've been knocked out by a sixth tier football team that we should have had no business going out to combined with the, the the problems and difficulties that were happening he was effectively the decision by the board to keep him on was no more than a dead man walking situation and and the, and the biggest problem now is um had the you know as we as we as, as we now have to refer to the football monitoring board ha had they made a decisive decision and i don't have any issue with them taking 48 hours to mull things over i know a lot of people saying <laughs> oh funnily enough is exactly what ended up happening on saturday but i think a lot of people are saying you know don't let him even don't even leave, let him on the coach on the way back up in darvel i think anybody and anyone who works for a business or a company you know I think you are entitled to expect to at least get your one-to-one -one and your debrief in the, the day or days coming forward and, you know, for cool heads to prevail in that regard. But having 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 done that, they are the ones, and again, ultimately, Dave Cormack is the chairman, they're the ones that have made the decision to stick with Jim Goodwin. And so the culpability lands on them for what happened Saturday, because what this is a concern going forward. What faith do you have in a chairman and a, and a, and a football monitoring board who looked that's that group of players in the eye sounded them out and they said, yep, yep. Jim's still got our full backing. We'll, we'll, we'll definitely put in a performance for him. 
and then you get. I mean, I, I, again, I don't think I don't think anyone was surprised that, we're, that we 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 ended up losing Hibs, but I think everybody was shocked just by the manner of how how meek and how well piss poor an effort it was at the end of the day. So having taken that agency away from themselves, that's now that's come back to what you said. That's now on them. So they they have to they have to own this, and I'm you know I'm glad that at least um, Dave had the. The, the one thing also, it, it probably did take a lot of guts to come and face up in front of both uh, Red TV and the and and the media afterwards. No, no one's doubting everybody or you know, Jim Goodwin's a good guy. I don't think anyone's doubting uh, Dave Cormack's credentials as a supporter about what we're needing out of people that can actually get us out of the get us out of this hole. And that's the that's the important thing going forward. Yeah, it's the importance of clear-headed and sober decision making, Anthony. And uh, it didn't feel that. That decision in a wake of Monday night was anything like that. It felt sentimental. It felt protective of uh, a large investment. It just didn't feel as if it um, was one which which took the emotion out of it, which it should have done. The uh, the timing of it was the, what really kind of took everyone aback, wasn't it? Um, you know, Monday night the game, and then Tuesday morning you're you know you're expecting something to to come from the club, and we still don't hear anything that gets to Wednesday morning. Again, nothing, and it's well, eight o'clock was it Wednesday night that we finally um, heard something from the club. But yeah, I have to agree with everything you've said there. Really, it was you know I think everyone was scratching their heads at it. Um, like say you know nothing against Kubin in that regard, but what you can't survive a result like that. And I think you know the backlash and that that's that came. Obviously, I think I mean I was at the game uh, on Saturday. I did expect Aberdeen to lose, but I guess the manner was. Um, yeah, pretty horrific to watch, and you know the follow-up from that, and obviously within 20 minutes, um, you know it's game over for a good one. But yeah, I think it just sort of epitomises the whole situation the clubs in at the moment, where you just get these some of these bizarre calls um, that are coming out, uh, you know, on a, on a kind of regular basis. And in, in that sense, uh, both from the players, like you said, you mentioned there, players claiming that they're sort of behind the manager, and you know you could argue that they've thrown them under the bus with the performances in recent games. Yeah, I don't know who had the line uh, or where it came from, but talk about senior players calling um, calling calling Mac up on Tuesday night, saying you know keep the manager. I, you need to demonstrate that by your performances, lads. And um, well, Saturday. I suppose, let's 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 move on to it because we have to, not because I want to. Uh, it was scarring enough being there, but let's just run through some litany of deficiencies that. Um, caused our defeat and let's focus on the goals I suppose because um, it took 10 minutes 10 minutes was all our resistance 10 minutes was all our um, all it took for that uh, line in the statement about uh, you know an immediate change to to look so hollow and um, really there were pitiful attempts to to stop the initial run and shot it's actually a really good save from Julius. I'm not sure that's very clear from the from the main camera angle, but from behind the goal, you, you you know you could see that he was at full stretch. He tried all he could to get it as far out of trouble as possible, and I I think he deserved Martin his defence to uh, Martin Clunas his defence to back him up there. Johnny Hayes in particular caught sleeping. He absolutely did, and I'm glad you came to me this because I watched sports scene earlier on tonight, and I was absolutely raging at Neil McCann. Um, because Neil McCann thinks that Joe Lewis should have done better, um, and I thought it was a, I thought it was a great save. Um, no, it's it's the defence has let him down again. And no, I'm no, I've been a huge advocate of Joe Lewis on here. I think he's a better keeper than Keller Roos, um, but 
the defences have completely let him down. Probably, you know, not just for the first one. Um, I think you know, the second and third, you're getting or even well, there's other ones. The free everyone that's a free header basically, the defences let him down on. But I thought it was a good save, and there's just nobody there. Um, nobody there, you know, at the getting to get the second ball. We're we're not falling up, but just defensively. I mean, you know, def- defensively was where the real the real problems were yesterday. So it just seemed to be that we were sort of at half pace. Um, there was just sort of, and I mean, ment- I mean that mentally as well, mm, not just yeah. in terms of running. Um, it's sort of like it sort of was taking that extra step, you know, that extra moment to react. Where it started, rather than just like instantly knowing what to do. It was like every player in the defence needed an extra second to process what was happening, mm-hmm. and I, and you, know, you would you would need some sort of sports psychologist to be able to work out why that is. I mean, you know, I could, you could make a guess and guess, and obviously it's the incidents of the few days, and you know, this chat about you know they've all got them back, you know, the back the back of the manager, um, and you know, perhaps there's you no know, it put too much pressure on them. I don't I don't know, but. It was just it was just atrocious the attempts at, at stopping any, it's really any of the goals um it was you know th- th- truthfully this is the sort of thing that we really should have been expecting um on Monday night at Darville. that's the way should we we should have been expecting to perform like Hibbs did against you know against us we should we should have been doing that to Darville. you know that time where you're playing a team of am- basically amateurs you know semi pros whatever they are you know we should be doing that and exposing exposing them and to, for us to look so bad. Against a against a Hibs team that, let's be honest, that Hibs team isn't isn't good. You know, they've been in a terrible run. They've lost at least you know well one of their one of their best players is out injured. The guy Bushiri, um, you know, Portis is gone. Now, Boyle. Nisbet Boyle was Zink. almost gone. You know, and it's like you look at it and you know, there's there's just nothing nothing you know remotely positive you can take the only actually the only positive you can take from it is that lee johnson's going to get more time at hibs just based on the back of that result it's, it's funny only, like, i mean know, i was actually in the company of some hibs fans beforehand on on saturday and um quite a few of them i suppose have um come to a conclusion as much as there's a lot of noise around johnson quite a few of them have come to the conclusion that um they are going to have to go through some pain to get to where they want to do, and that they can't keep sacking managers. And I suppose they've not had, they've not come out of uh, quite a long-term relationship, I suppose, as we had with Derek McInnes. Um, they have just been on that treadmill for years and years and years. I mean, probably going back, to, well, Lennon was only a couple of years as well, and he was half of that time in the lower league. Uh, so it's interesting, but I think there's levels of pain, isn't there? And and, and Saturday was just. No one. I, I didn't expect to win. I didn't expect to lose six nil, Martin Ingram. And the second we we speak about Hayes and Shinny being players of character, players that uh, you want in the side on occasions like that. If Hayes is sleeping for the first, I don't know what Shinny's doing for the second. Yeah, the the only thing with that is, I mean, the the second goal is definitely more a failure of defensive structure. So. I always think with with set pieces, you sometimes need to know a bit about how the 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 manager has asked them to set up to defend those set pieces because it it was clear there was something planned in that regard, and there were so looking back and again, this is more with the benefit of looking at the highlights tonight than than from yesterday, uh, which again, full disclosure, and I have said that in Twitter, I I wasn't at the game in in uh, on Saturday, but I did. 
I did the Like Lads version of I was away visiting my folks on the Saturday, so I, I BBC Alba'd it afterwards. So for me, the Jim Goodwin reign lasted a good couple of hours longer than it did for most of the rest of the support. Um, but again, when I was reanalyzing it tonight, there, there are actually two potential Hibs runners hmm. set up from outside the box, and one of them is on Shinny's right and one on yeah. Shinny's left. And, and that's how it's designed to work. I mean, we yes. should probably say, you know, well, well done, Hibs. You could see them congratulate themselves in the dugout afterwards, because that's yeah. exactly how it was designed to work. So, so at that point, it then becomes who within that, is that Shinny? Is that Anthony Stewart? Somebody then, there needs to be communication then at that point <laughs> saying, look, there's actually two runners I can only pick up one or the other of them because I mean, as 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 it happens, only one of them ran, and and as you say, she's looking at the other yeah, guy, and then he just yeah, he doesn't pick up either of them really. Yeah, so. so 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 it's completely useless. But for me, that's more you know a complete breakdown in communication in the defensive structure where you you've identified there are two runners, but effectively, as you say, you're splitting between two, and you're exactly right. Shane's ended up picking up nobody. He's he's busy watching one player when the when the cross comes in, and the other player's just running and. Don't get me wrong. He's still it's still a pretty good effort to. Um, I don't I don't know how many people have recently tried to head a ball twenty yards. It's still a pretty decent uh, uh, header from from Campbell to get it in from that range. But again, completely completely unimpeded. A running a running start, and um, it's in the back of the net. So, um, um, but yeah, I think that then speaks more to what we then saw further on in the game where. Um, a breakdown of communication can be simply a breakdown of communication, but then again, I think that speaks maybe to was there a was there a real will or effort collectively to try and pick these things up and do something? And I think from the from the moment where you know you're then two down inside inside twenty minutes, and I think all all will and fight in that team basically dissipated from that from that moment onwards. Well, Anthony, I mean, three of the six goals on Saturday coming from set pieces. So many failings at set pieces throughout the season. If um, if the defence was going to be easy to fix, one would think that the set pieces would be um, one of the easier still, you know, something you can actually plan for. It didn't look like there was any evidence of any defensive set piece work having been done on that training ground at all on Saturday. Yeah, it's, it, it really is staggering. I mean, you think... Good ones, you know, he's talked about it all the time. Obviously, when he came in, there's the famous quote that I, I picked up on um, last week about the, uh, oh, he would sort of defence out in, in a short space of time. But you do wonder what on earth they, they are doing um, through the week, you know, at Cormac Park. I mean, I, I, I don't know, is there, does, does Goodwin, is there someone in his team that's maybe taken the lead on to, to Sharp, do all this himself? You always, almost felt like they needed maybe someone else in there that could... could um, you know, just it's like I say, it's the basic basic decision making, and it just seems to be a lot of them just be standing still in these situations. I mean, don't get me wrong, you you look at the goals. There are some like say Martin's just mentioned the that first header there, but even the one uh, from Will Fish uh, towards the end of the game. So you know, cracking header, but there just seems to be so many bodies standing watching watching the play and not reacting to these situations. And you know, it is it is the be all and an end all in football. Really, set pieces. I mean. Look how many games they decide. It doesn't matter what country you're in or what um when or what level of football you're playing at. You know if if you can't do that, then you know you're going to come out uh you know on the other on the other side of of, of the results. So it's it really is a staggering um stat. You know in terms of the amount of the goals we can see on a weekly basis from these situations, and you know it, it really is a you do wonder how how they're going to get past it because obviously. There'll be a mentality building up in in some of the players now. You know when the balls are coming into the box from the corners that 
mentally they're just not there and the opposition seemed to be the first every ball and like I say Saturday is the, the perfect example of that really I actually looked this up earlier today and incredibly you won't believe this but we're not the worst in the league Motherwell have, have conceded one more from set pieces than we have which is uh, I, I cannot imagine how many they must be conceding <laughs> Uh, what they can be doing to be wow. to be worse than that team. Um, the worrying, other worrying aspect about that one, Anthony, was a guy like um, Ross McCrory, who, who's in, who's really one of his traits is his physicality and his presence, getting out muscled by the hip striker. Yeah, I mean, there's one thing that you can normally never accuse McCrory of is that sort of lack of aggressiveness. You know, whether it's in a tackle or attacking the ball or. Uh, you know, going for a 50-50, and, and you're right, it just it just seemed to be completely missing. But again, I think Martin alluded to earlier, once once the, the early goals had gone in, like say, the the appetite and application from the players to, you know, to at least keep fighting and, and uh, trying to get any sort of credibility and, you know, as the game went on, just seemed to disappear completely. And I think you could see that, um, you know, when some of the players got substituted and things like that, there's, there's close-ups of them not even looking at Goodwin, really, as some of them went down the tunnel. So again, it just seemed to get worse and worse as the game went on and obviously you know what's happened since has just sort of brought that to light more if you could uh, put it that way I think in the away end it was um, clear once the first goal went in that this was not going to be an afternoon about turning a narrative around it was going to be an afternoon to have to be endured from the away end and, and so it proved there was a very half-hearted uh, second attempt at a second half revival never ever ever looked like scoring and then towards the end, it just accelerated towards infamy. Um, the fourth goal, I, I, I think, again, it's a goal that um, Hibbs and Lee Johnson will be very happy with. Hibbs move it quickly. Uh, but Martin Clune is it's so, so easy, uh, the way we give up that goal from, from an attacking position we had. Yeah, they're just, you know, you're with your three down. I know you need to be a bit, bit more... I know you're, you're trying to chase the game and get back in the game or whatever, but just... You know, is it is it is it Coulson? It's the last defender back or the last the last man back. Yeah. Um, and you know, just just start just stand up. I mean, what he try, I don't know if he's trying he's trying to take a swipe at the ball or what he's thinking to do, but you know, he just obviously takes you know takes a tumble like the, I don't know, by the bounce of the ball or something catches him out. But it's it's just basic stuff. You know, just you know, run back and follow the ball if you have to, but. To just kind of get the, get your, yourself caught under your own feet, never mind the ball, um, it's just amateur stuff. And the, the fact that we lose the ball from a, like you say, from an attacking position, where we're in that, we're in you no know, decent, decent position, you no know, outside their 18, 18 yard box, and the ball, just, you know, they break up the pitch like that, and it's, and it turns out it's an easy finish. And you know, the, I mean, the game was at three 0 I think it's it's fair to say the game was gone anyway. Um, oh, it's gone for it was gone from one yeah, Martin. But anything still. on anything on anything on top of anything on top of that is just you know, it's just them you know basically like you know, putting the rubbing like say rubbing salt in the wound. Um, but it's just like no matter who comes on who's on the pitch there and like you know, Coulson you know, came on after an hour. You know, I think he made he made two, two two changes on the hours. So yeah, Kennedy and Clarkson went off and Roberts and Coulson come on and it made. A, not a lick of difference, because there's 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 a there's a mentality in the squad at the moment, and whether it was just yesterday following on from Darville, and then you know the statement or what you know the the, the speech, whoever this whoever the the senior players that have gone to the, the the chairman are, there's a mentality there that is just they're not they're not switched on at the moment, 
Um, and the worry is that you know, that result on Monday has mentally broken some of them um, because, you know, I, I, I can't see why, you know, some of those are, those are, some of those are decent players, you know, you think of Coulson. I mean, it was only a few weeks ago that semi-final. I thought he was absolutely fantastic against uh, against Rangers. Sorry, I know he was tiring in sort of the later stages, but he was first every tackle. He was bombing forward, and you just wonder, you know, where has that gone in the last few games? I know he's, like I say, he's got his well-documented kind of fitness issues he's had, um, you know, through large parts of the season where he's struggled to finish games. But the drop-off from him in particular has been, you know, pretty pretty worrying. I have to say. But back to your point, Martin. Are you still convinced that there's Pretty good players in that team. I thought, yeah, definitely. Um, and you, you look, you look through the team. I mean, well, one of the, one of the guys who I think is a pretty good player wasn't even in the in the match day squad. Um, so he clearly he wasn't. So clearly, Bazawin wasn't one of the ones that had gone to the chairman and says, "We like this guy, keep him." Yeah, I think that's fair to say. But there's, but there are there are definitely good players. I think that no, my, I think Myofsky is a good player. I think Ramadani is a good player. Shidi is undoubtedly a good player. Um, I think going forward, we do have good, good, good options in there. Johnny Hayes, you know, as it moves on, people know Johnny Hayes seems to be getting more and more detractors. But I still think he's a good player on his day for Aberdeen. It's just that defensively, we don't have, we don't have it. I'm not going to go on about Anthony Stewart anymore. We've got to get the, you know, we've got Scales who. Let's move on to Liam Scales. Let's use that point to rather than just go through a litany of success and failure. Um, probably heavy on the latter. Let's um, let's talk about Liam Scales because um, red card again at Easter Road on on Saturday, and both bookings they come from situations that he should have been in total and utter control of and should have dealt with in his sleep as a centre half. Martin, Ingram, this guy's not a centre half, is he? Wow. I think it was Oscar Wilde that said that to be red carded at Easter Road once might be regarded as a misfortune. To be red carded at Easter Road twice looks like carelessness. A uh, big fan of the cabbage and ribs was Oscar. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think it was thematic for all the second half goals. Um, the Coulson effort, I, I, I just sorry, I, I, I know you wanted to get, you probably want to get away from that, but I, I wanted to come back to it as well. That. Um, for this is this is maybe more for Richard and Martin for the longer standing supporters. If you may or may not remember this, but I remember being at Easter Road for a game about oh man, fifteen twenty years ago. It was, it was the tail end of Scott Booth's career, and it was near the first half, and he stopped to tie his shoelace. I think his shoelace went loose in his boot, and he just stopped in the middle of play while 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 the game was still carrying on, and just tied his 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 boot. And that was at the time I thought the longest I'd seen someone completely inactive while a football match was actually going until Hayden Coulson decided to lie down near the centre circle and just watch the remainder of that fourth goal. Um, anyone that's played football at any level knows that type of challenge where you think, I can just commit myself now, make on as if I tried to intercept the ball and then just let the play go. And then I won't have to go and chase back to that. Whereas actual defending involves tra- tracking back with both the players keeping in between the two of them and forcing them to make a decision and and the will just wasn't there. Same with Liam Scales. And again, I I think there's a running theme with both those players as well is that we we seem to have ended up with a lot of defenders that aren't necessarily defend defend first at at their core with regards to what they want to do. And I think that's fundamentally something either we'll we'll probably speak a bit about the kind of the very very recent recruitment and but but going forward I think there needs to be a return to defend first defending. Um 
Coulson, I suspect, is, I mean, again, he, he's far, and, and Anthony's right, I, I mean, he's had some absolutely fantastic performances for, for, for Aberdeen, but I think he's definitely a player at Perth to be going forward than going back. Clearly, the issue with J, Jalen Richardson at right back, which is why he couldn't hold his place in front of a winger in, in, in Matty Kennedy. Um, and and Liam Scales, I I get a feeling that he isn't a defence. He, he when we when he first came to the club, I actually thought he actually looked the, the, the most technically the more the, or you know um, or more more comfortable on the ball of the two centre halves with Anthony Stewart. He, he he looked to be the classier of the of the players. But again, when you're four 0 down and you you know you should be it should be meat and drink to centre half to have a player directly in front of you just keep him in front of you. But the players turned him in the box, and, and rather than trying to defend, just went, ah, instinctive, pull him back, red card, doesn't matter anymore, we're 4-0 down anyway. Um, it's it's probably just as well that he's suspended, because I'm not entirely sure that he would have survived the the immediate call for who's going to play on Wednesday anyway. But um, again, just incredibly disappointing attitude. I'd send him back right now. I know that would leave us yeah. with even less defensive options, but I would send him back. I, I, I just do not see the point in continuing to put him in the first team uh, jersey. Obviously, we'll talk later on about uh, some of the incoming incomings that have happened tonight or are going to happen tomorrow morning. Uh, but even though that happened in the last minute, Liam Scales' red card penalty kick to make it 5-0, we still managed to... Uh, make things worse for ourselves with another truly abysmal attempt at uh, marking from a set piece, Anthony. As, as I mentioned earlier, it's, it's a great header from, from Will Fish. You can't um, deny that, but it just epitomises the whole mentality of, of the defence at the moment. I mean, the, like you say, the game is gone. There's no getting away from that. It's a, you know, we've, been, we've been given an absolute doom, but there's still got to be some kind of desire there to... You know, a bit of pride or anything, just to just to see out. Don't don't concede another goal. We've already conceded five, at, you know, at, at that stage, and it really is a baffling situation that we're in defensively. I mean, in any situation, they just look so incapable of of dealing with it or you know getting it away. I mean, there was a, a few other moments in that game where, again, it's, it's a similar. I remember a cross came in from the back post, and Ross McCordy's just about managed to get something on because. The rest of his teammates are just sort of standing watching the play, and I really, I really am lost for words with some of the defending at times. You know, whether it's the first minute of a game or, or the last minute, there just seems to be no effort at all, or you know, like I said, like I said, desire or application or appetite to just get rid of the ball and throw your body on the line, and we're just not seeing any of that at the moment. And you cannot build a side unless it's got a solid foundation. I know that that's not necessarily what fans want to see, um, you know, all about the exciting attacking football. And, you know, by and large, by and large at home this season, it's been OK. It's been OK. There have been some bumps in the road, clearly, um, but it's been OK. But away from home, I think we have just tactically been quite open, Anthony, haven't we? We've, we've, we've not really changed the way we'll try and set up from the home games, but we that almost feels like it's it's a, a little bit arrogant to keep doing that when when you can't buy a win away from home. Surely Goodwin, as manager who's been around these leagues, should have been capable and should perhaps have just started from square one, get a competitive, solid, hard-to-beat team away from Petaudry. Yeah, I mean, I imagine from an opposition's point of view, the the analysis on Aberdeen, you have a field day with it, really, with the 
the evidence you've got to you know to prepare sort of uh, you know ahead of playing a game against the Dons. But yeah, you would think that you know like say we we good ones you know he's mentioned it himself. We look back to the St Mirren team. St Mirren team he had you know they managed to get some good results against Aberdeen as well. They were always like you say hard to beat and you know putting their bodies on the line for every challenge and they, you know they win a lot of games by the old goal and that's that's what Aberdeen really have you know that's that's what you need in games where it's you know it's tight and. Like say it might be one opportunity in, in a game that's going to decide it, and like say we haven't had that, and we must be probably the easiest team to play against, uh, you know, especially away from home. I know you you touched on the the home record there, which has by and large been good, even though you know you look at some of them games where, um, you know, we get penalty decisions and that going away, but but on the road, yeah, again, it's just amateurish stuff, really. I mean, you've, if you're not going to get a victory in these games, you've, at least you've got you know get a point, and you can't be getting. Uh, anything from a game if you're just going to give away goals like like we've been given away, especially early in the game where it's you know ten fifteen minutes in and the results more or less out out of your control already and uh, you know with Barry Robson coming in now, I mean again what he, with what he's got to work with, how do you try and change that mentality into becoming a team that's going to be hard to beat and you know that's going to put their body on the line and and you know do everything they can just to to get any sort of scrappy win, but yeah, it really is worrying times on that on that front and. Uh, I mean, what is it now we've got? I think it's got nearly six, five, six wins in the last thirty-five away games or something like that. I might be might be wrong there, but it's something along them lines. But yeah, the record just seems to be getting worse and worse, and you, you don't know how and when it's going to improve at all. Oh, pick your statistic when it comes to away games. There's any number of ones, none of them good, obviously. Um, talking about Barry Robson, uh, sigs us nicely into. Um, the big question mark about what comes next. Well, we know what's immediately going to come next. The club confirmed tonight by Robson. Um, with support from Steve Agnew. Steve Agnew is a coach who worked at Middlesbrough when Barry Robson was there. Um, a lot of experience in the game. As much as anything else, it's in need of a, a body, frankly, on the on the training field. Um, because there is a, a lack of those at Vittorio. And that's maybe something we will come to when we speak about wider changes at the club. Um, but... It, it's the ultimate hospital pass, uh, Martin Clunas, isn't it, for Barry? Because this is a team, in some respects, it makes uh, when he took over last season after Stephen Glass um, was sacked, having lost to Motherwell. Um, in some respects, that looks like a bloody holiday camp compared to the job he's got in his hands here. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like you say, it's a compl- it is a total hospital pass for him. I mean, it's. You know, it's the it's the kind of ultimate safe pair of hands, I suppose. Really, um, just somebody who's in and around the club knows the players, knows the group. Um, you know, can maybe can you know, have a bit of can you know, continuity, I suppose you would say, um, in terms of you know the training and things like that. But um, he's obviously brought in Steve Agnew, who's no, he's coached it. No, he's been a coach at a fairly decent level. Obviously, he was. Um, you know the one that stands out is he was Steve Bruce's and uh, one of Steve Bruce's assistants at Newcastle. Um, so he's he's worked with he's worked with good players. He's worked at big clubs. Um, so you would you would assume that there's no a wealth of uh, no actual experience and tactical knowledge and things there that can come and help because you know God God knows we need it. Um, but. Um, I don't envy, but I don't really envy Barry Robson at all, to be honest. I mean, I'm, I assume, you know, it's not like, you know, I assume tomorrow, it'll be tomorrow they're in for training and there'll be, um, you know, I'm sure there'll be a frank exchange of words, um, you know, 
going on, which which I mean, no, I would love to be a fly, love to be a fly in the wall for that. But um, you know, Robson is obviously, I think. You know, we'll come in later, but I think the thing is, Robson now probably would be best if you know best to have him. And you know, if Agnew's coming in, it's an end of the season job, I would imagine. Um, you know, at least he you know steer us to the end of the season, as it said in the statement. Or oh, the aim is still European football. God, God bless him for saying that in the statement. Um, and then, but the the search the search goes on, and the search goes on for you know the right man. Whether that man right man might even be Barry Robson, we never know. Um, if he can get European football, then you know, you know, he's got as good a good a chance as anybody getting there. But um, if I if I know, I understand why he's took it. But if I was him, <laughs> I'd a, I'd a probably run a hundred miles the other way. Are we in that dangerous territory, Martin Ingram, where the the caretaker could stake a claim simply because of the of the shock and the speed of the departure of the previous manager? Uh, are we in that territory? Do you think? For me, it comes down to what is what is Dave Cormack and the board looking at at this point now? Because where, where we are, and again, you could argue that the the immediate situation we found ourselves in the last fortnight is, is is even worse than where we were, you know, less than twelve months ago. But but the kind of general themes are scarily similar to where where we were at the tail end of the of the glass tenure, a team that I think. Even Cormac himself said at the end of his Red TV interview, his, his kind of the leaving note was the defending is abysmal. So um, it requires uh, someone who can immediately kind of. And I think I think Barry Robson and Barry and Scott certainly are certainly you know they have, they provide a bit of continuity in that while they're obviously not directly involved with the first team affairs, they're, they're at least aware of a lot of the guys who are in the club and what needs to be done. And I think I think what Barry will also bring is someone who's he'll expect some fight from the team he'll expect um a, a, a work ethic from 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 uh anyone that he's selecting i think he may well suss out i think it'll be telling what the first team sheet is on wednesday because i think he'll be pretty quick in sussing out who he fancies can do a job for him and who and who he doesn't that's why i mentioned liam scales i think he's lucky that he'll be suspended because i think he might have been one of the ones that would have would have been discarded potentially for a the, the, the incoming defender we'll talk about afterwards. But um, in, in terms of what the board want to do, what they did 12 or not even 12 months ago um, is they felt they had to get in somebody quickly and Jim Goodwin was the inform manager domestically at that particular time. And by inform, we're talking about a period of four or five games. This is how this is how spur of the moment it was. Um, whereas, um, and I know, I know we're going to maybe touch on this a bit further down the line, but what are are they just looking to get another manager in and then go through the same you know process for another 12 months and potentially end up where we where we are again 12 months from now or are we actually going to have a real look at the actual sporting structure in the club um you know something that you had Derek Ray on in the past when when we thought that might be what was coming in under Stephen Stephen Glass is a kind of, for me what 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 Dave Cormack and the board really need to look at is have have we got the right structure in place right now? If if their conclusion to that is yes, I'd be very very surprised. But for me, we should be looking at how do you want the structure to operate going forward? Bring in the people at that level that we need to 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 make sure that the club is going in the right direction. And then with that basis, they are they are those people are the ones I want involved in deciding who the next manager is. So in a in a circuitous route to 
whether Barry Robson might be staking claim to it. In the first, first of all, I think he should be getting that job for the short term. And if the short term needs to be for the next few weeks, or if it needs to be through to the end of the season, then then so be it. Um, and for me, then that goes hand in hand. The the longer uh, leash that Barry Robson gets being in charge of the game. Um, why wouldn't you write off that possibility? I, I would severely, I, I sincerely doubt that the end end result of this will be Barry Robson ends up being the next manager. But if he if he gets gets a grab of the team right now and we suddenly go off and and as in in incredible as it sounds goes off and actually has a, a run of really good results that lands us fourth or even third in the season, then you know you can then at least assess him and the coaching staff based on what they've produced or what they may will produce over the next few months. So it goes hand in hand for me. If the what, what I'm hoping is the decision will be we're not just looking for a new manager, we're actually completely root and branch reevaluating what we're doing within the club, which should provide a longer period of time for the interim staff to be in place and in turn should give Barry Robson an opportunity to um, prove his chops. And and I'll, I'll just leave it on that note. He only had one game in charge last time round, but I remember in his post-match interview and everything, he didn't sound like the kind of guy who was just, yeah, I'm just doing this as an interim for a game. And, you know, he didn't sound like a guy that had zero aspiration to actually manage at that level going forward. I think he'd quite relish the opportunity. Again, a completely different discussion about whether he ends up being the right man for the job on the long term, but I don't think there's any doubt he would, he, he, he would want to affect you know almost figuratively figuratively and literally uh stamp his mark on the role i just want to point out that uh, by robson's under 18 team have lost 16 goals in the last three games by the way so if you think he's coming in to fix the defense you might have a bit of a wait um they lost 5-2 on friday night off the back of a 6-2 at hibs before christmas so uh, saturday's team weren't the first uh, don's team to concede six to hibs and uh, a 5-4 against celtic last week um not that that has too much bearing obviously as to what we can expect from him with the first team because let's face it the first team are probably worse uh, anyway um what qualities are you actually looking for in a new manager anthony I mean, it is stating the obvious, but defence is obviously the you know the area where um, yeah we're just totally devoid of any sort of structure or any fight in terms of you know wanting to win the ball. So it, it, that has to be the sort of the focus. But again, it, it is, does come down to the sort of vision we've got to look at now. If you think between now, there's still you know despite the the horrendous season we've had, fourth place is still sort of in in reach, which of course you know would get us back to European football. So it does come down to that. Can we, if if Robson's going to be there, then you know, like Martin said, if he does have a good run, then you know, of course, he could throw himself in the hat. But you don't know if he's got the the capabilities to make them into that sort of hard to beat team. Time will tell on that. So if we have to look further afield for that, then yeah, it's got to be someone that's just their their prime prime concern. Essentially, is you know, we might have to sacrifice sort of some of the. You know the flair going forward in some sort of aspects of the game, and you know players are maybe have to get do a bit more sort of dirty work in terms of tracking back and stuff like that. But I think now we need to start looking at someone that's able to sort out the mess back there if they can at all, whether it's on the training ground or, you know, I'm sure if a new manager wants to come in at some stage, he's going to want to to bring in his own players. Of course, you know, with the January window shutting in a couple of days, then you know we've got to work with what we've got. We'll see what this this guy from Watford can do. But I think a, a primarily defensive coach now. Um, has got to come in at some point, you know. Uh, 
and again, it's 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 not the most eye-catching kind of football, but I think we need to we need to prioritise results at this point um, because you know we can be the best team in the world, but if you can't defend, you're not going to get anywhere. So I mean, as much as we all want to see you know flair going forward and eye-catching football and you know all that all that kind of stuff, we've got players that can do that. You know, if you can give them the ball, get them in the right areas, and they can still do that. Doesn't doesn't mean to say that we'll. We'll lose that, but I think we need to get someone in at some point, like say whether it's you know before the end of the season or if it's going into the next season. That's you know going to make us a hard team to beat and one that teams are you know feared of playing really. And you know again, it's I, I mentioned earlier that we're we're so easy to play against and we need to get, get away from that. And that teams need to know they're going to have a game against us, whether it's you know they're them trying to keep us out or more importantly them you know no, knowing that they're not going to get too many chances against us, which. Is something that's just not happening at the moment. You can think of the, the chances we concede every single game. Um, and that's why we're conceding so many goals. So a guy that can sort of defence out, maybe someone with a defensive background. Come on then, Martin, let's have it. Yeah, look, you know, I've, yeah, no, you've, you've allowed me to do this before. Um, <laughs> and you know, and I will. I can quite easily point out that, you know, last season, um, my man Tony guided Nantes to the, the French Cup. I can point out that you know he has guided them to wins over PSG, you know PSG containing the best player in the world at the time as well. Um, I could point out all that, um, but I know realistically, no, it's not going. It's not going to be Tony Kubari as much as I desperately want it to be. You know, um, you know, I do. No, I, I do. I do follow. I do follow Nodswood stuff pretty closely. My, my, my standard grain French isn't what it was, um, so I do rely on Google Translate quite a bit. But, you know, potentially, I know, I, I allow myself to get carried away now and again, because potentially, you know, he's had, they've had some boardroom kind of troubles there. He's kind of been arguing over funds with the Maryland this season. They've had, they're in Europe this season. I think they're playing Juve in a couple of weeks um, in the, um, I think it's the Europa League. Um, so... You know, European experience of like that, but look, I know we're not going to get him. I know it's just a silly pipe dream of mine. Um, truth is, we should have got David Wagner when I suggested him in the first place. Really, um, oh, God's sake! Um... I'm, I'm being, I'm being, I'm being silly. Obviously, you know, like, we, but we do need somebody. Anthony's absolutely spot on there. We, the, somebody needs to come in, and I'm not suggesting we get in a, a Sam Allardyce or one of these type of people, but someone who has a track record of. Not necessarily ultra defensive football, but organising a defence teams that are hard, teams that are hard to break down, but not necessarily in a kind of you know like a Livingston type of way. Um, but no, but we, we we certainly need that at the moment because we're too we're too soft at the moment. The, the defence is pretty much going to need a whole new a whole new revamp when when the new manager comes in, whoever it is, it doesn't matter who it is. We need somebody who can who is capable of doing that. No. Because you'll you'll come in. He's going to look at Anthony Stewart. No, he's going to look at no. Well, scales like you say. I would. I'm with you. I would send him back as well. He's going to look at what's available, and he's going to want three or four players just just for the defence alone. Um, so that needs to be that needs to be a priority. Someone you, someone you look at that's capable of doing that. Um, and like I joked about the other day, and look, you can just throw a dart throw a dart at a map of Europe and say, you know, oh, we should get this guy from this team in Norway or something. Um, no, I'm not going to pretend to know anything about half of these guys, um, because but that's what comes from the football monitoring board. They're going to have they're going to have to look at that, and the worry is that you know they're going to they're going to want to go down the the same old route with the same old you know, Scottish names, 
or um, or maybe names from England that we've all seen before. Where I think that you know, and and Cormac slightly alluded to it yesterday as well that there might need to be a wee bit of a reshuffle there as well because it's clearly not working the way it is. Um, and to get the to get who you might who you think would maybe be the best man in, they're going to maybe have to change their approach as well. Don't you think that there was a degree of that when they hired Goodwin? Because I think there's been a regression in terms of um, what they wanted to do in terms of a proper sporting division, in terms of a head coach as opposed to a manager, as opposed to the recruitment being you know separate from that of the, of the head coach. I still think the majority of the signings this season were recruitment team ones based on a sort of blueprint that Goodwin provided. Um, again, they're not in a strong position now. The question, I suppose, has to be is, do we want to be a modern football club on this? Or do we want to just fix the short-term problems, Martin Ingram? Yeah, it's probably going back, right back to what I was saying earlier, is my my preference would be we go right back to square one with uh, what you've coined getting a proper sporting division in place. Um, and then... Once you have that infrastructure in place, then then you can have a look at bringing in someone to deliver the the vision of how you want to play football going forward. And I think to a certain degree that may well have been muddied when Jim Goodwin came in because of the nature of um, being in the same situation where we are right now. You're 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 trying to get at that point. You're trying to get someone in relatively quickly to. Uh, shore up a situation because I think in fairness we were probably in in terms of where we were in the league not necessarily I don't think there's a lot a lot of difference in you know where the team was um, this point last year from 12 years ago but just the, with how other teams were 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 performing we were down I think 10th in the league was it that or you know or, or certainly when he was sacked when Stephen Glass left yes no, when no, Stephen no, Glass I think we were much higher the table I know we had the oh, exact we? we certainly uh, I checked yesterday. We have we have uh, we had the exact same number of points um, last season. Uh, as yeah, we but do I think we've still not played quite. Mm. We still have a couple of games still to play before we got to that. Not not I'm saying we'd have necessarily got a point of our next two games anyway, but but um, well after but yeah, 20, think... and after 23 games we had 28 or 29 points. Whatever we have now, yeah. but a better goal difference last season. That was two games before two league games. I think prior to Stephen Glass losing his job after game 25. So. Yeah. Um, it's not an exact comparison, but um, yeah, it's yeah. we're pretty much in the exact same place as we were this time last season, and the exact same place that we were when Stephen Glass lost his job. Um, I think yeah, the so last think the feeling... league game was Celtic at home. I think um, it, it was. We lost three two. Yeah, so you you not might quite be a six right. nil, but you, might you know. Be right. <laughs> You might be right, but you know, right now we're seventh, um, yeah. and it, it's all much of a muchness, really. Um, yeah. So, so the only thing is, again, I, I won't guarantee what the recollections were, but it felt like staying in the league was more, more of a concern at the time. And again, not because we were necessarily doing any better than what we were last time, but I think at least now there are, you know. It's really clumped up at the bottom, but you're talking about four teams that are all on around about 20 points. So there, there may be, there might not, again, that might be a false sense of security, but it maybe didn't feel quite as, it doesn't feel quite as pressing now as what it did then. But the reaction I think then was, let's just get in a manager quickly who knows the SPFL, who knows the, the Scottish Premiership, who can 
who can be functional. So I think it was that was exactly the kind of manager I think they thought they were getting in Jim Gooden. I think, you yeah. know, again, famously, the man who said fixing defence was going to be the easy thing to do. So I think that was undoubtedly the pitch that he gave was, I'll, 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 I'll sort out, you know, the defensive end of things, and then we'll, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll deal with the progressively free-flowing football afterwards. And of course, it just didn't turn out that way at all. So sometimes it can be. That's what I was saying. I think it can, can be a mistake just going thinking, oh, we'll get a domestic manager and they'll know what the SPFL is all about and they'll produce a battling, hard-to-beat team because it just didn't materialise this time around. So I think it definitely does merit a little bit more thought about what exactly do we want out of this but I think it's incumbent upon Dave Cormack to have a look and say again I don't think anyone's doubting that he has the club at his heart and he want, he clearly wants to do well but I think he has to really think and say do I or do the people that I currently have on my board have that kind of real knowledge and experience to really deliver on the on the sporting division side of things and if he's brutally honest, I think I think there is the answer would be no. And then you've got to go and say, you know, for me the bigger thing is can can we bring someone else in at that side of things? Part of that's looking at the structure of what we do right now, but part of that's looking at the personnel as well. And I and and I for one again, this might completely blow up in my face if we do then go, continue to go on a 15 game losing streak and get relegated. But I think I think I'd be far more concerned about let's get that the what's going on behind the scenes right first, and then look at getting our next head coach recruitment with an actual you know real clarity of what we actually want to get in i just think right now we're uh, we're much further away from being a team that can go out and compete in um on wednesday night or on saturday um because of what's happened over the past three games than we were last season you know last season i think it was was right and we certainly probably agitated for Stephen glass to go but we were we were competitive in most of those games. Uh, I, I, maybe my memory's failing me, but there wasn't the um, houndings that we're seeing now. And um, that, to me, feels a much bigger harbinger of doom, um, that you, you don't have the character in this team, and that's quite often the sign of a team that can get relegated. So, so I think it is a worrying moment, but hopefully there is enough in that squad and enough in Robson and Agnew to um, steady the ship a little bit. Um, what other changes do we think should happen, uh, Martin Clunas? Uh, we spoke on Thursday a little bit about um, Dave Cormack maybe um, divorcing himself slightly from the day-to-day, bringing in someone who's a chief executive. I, I know you spoke about it being a good thing, Willie Garner's on that quote-unquote football uh, monitoring board. Um we saw, watched the, the sports scene pictures earlier, just to remind myself of how terrible things had been. Um, Craig Brown sat next to Cormac, still a club ambassador, still getting his prawn sandwiches uh, week in, week out. Now, I respect both of their knowledge of the game, Willie Garner and Craig Brown. Uh, Willie's been on the this, this show when we talked about the 79-80 season. Um, and you know, Willie has... A decent business background as well, which is which is an asset clearly. But are they the sort of people that are really going to point the way towards a modern football club? And I use that phrase again pointedly because, again, I, I believe that's what Dave Cormack wants us to become. Um, well, in a, in a word, no. Um, you know, there does need to be um, someone, someone with an, you know, with. 
I, I don't want, I don't know I don't know exact phrase to use. So I'll use the phrase with their with their finger on the pulse. Maybe somebody who's got more modern ideas. You know, I'm sure that I'm sure that Willie Garner has has a lot to contribute. And you know, and and I stand by what I said the other night. You know, Craig Brown, you know, offers whatever he, whatever he offers. You know, fair enough. And yeah, like like same as you, I res I respect their knowledge, but there needs to be people there, football people as well. You know that. You know, have have knowledge of how how this how this works in the in the modern era. You know, um, you know we've we've seen social media crying out for um, oh, his name's gone. The guy that was at Motherwell who's just left, Alan Alan Burrows. Alan Burrows. That's it. Yeah, his name is gone. Sorry. Yeah, there's people crying out for someone for him or someone like him, and that's really you know that's really what what probably does need to happen. Um, Cormac maybe take a step back. Um, and allowing somebody to do the the day to day running of the club, um, you know, I, hopefully, hopefully Cormac doesn't turn into some sort of Vincent Tan type, you know, standing in the standing in the you know, in the stadium, you know, with a shirt on, just kind of like overseeing everything. But you would like to you'd like to think that you would be able to hand hand over the reins to somebody who can run it day to day, um, you know, with some modern ideas, because um, that's really what should probably should have been in the first place. Um, I, no, 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 I. I... I think there's two separate things here, Martin. I think that there's a chief executive to run the business side yeah. of the club, but you know, divorcing that, talking about the idea of a sporting division, and therefore having someone responsible for football with those modern ideas, as opposed to getting the the sort of footballing influence on the decision makers from guys who maybe haven't really been in the front line game for quite a while. Well, yeah. I know I get that, and that's why you know you have you have this again. We're used to same the football monitoring board. If you're going to have that with with four four people on it, you know, Dave, no Dave Cormack. If Dave Cormack no, employs somebody to be the CEO on his behalf, Dave Cormack doesn't need to be involved in that. And you can have somebody who can oversee it with modern ideas on how to run football. And then if you want to have Willie Garner on there, brilliant. Stephen Gunn's going to be on there. You know, if if that if he's going to if he's going to keep maintaining that role, I guess he has to be. But it doesn't have no. There has to be a sort of. But I don't see Alan Burrows a, or or a, a broad, CEO person as a sort of person that I'm talking about here. There, there needs, that's why you say if you if you if he's if he's you know we've, we, no, until up until Wednesday we'd never heard of this for this football monitoring board phrase. But if this is something that is actually a serious thing that he's and that isn't something that he's just invented, um, to. To, to kind of come, come out with this in the statement. Well, then it, listen, you know, it is a serious there can, thing. There can be a broad, because... there can be a broad church of ideas in that. So but... it doesn't just have to be, you know, Willie Gardner who only who played fifty years ago being the only one with any real football knowledge on there. No, but listen, you know, this is have... what we we thought we were getting this when um, there was a reorganisation shortly after Stephen Glass was appointed, and we we believed that Stephen Gunn was going to be the director of football he's not he's a director of football operations it's a it's a slight promotion on what he used to do that's what so we thought we were getting that we thought we were getting the move towards this kind of modern football structure but we didn't and i i wonder if we that as martin has said maybe regress took a bit of a, a regression because we went back to a sort of old school manager in in Jim Goodwin. Now, Goodwin didn't, I, I would imagine, had a veto over um, transfers. Was certainly able to select a couple of his signings. It wasn't all the case of the recruitment team. But I, but I think there's there's a sort of modern football club dying to get out from 
the structure that's been imposed in it right now at Aberdeen. Yeah, I, I fully, I can, I fully accept that. Yeah, and you know, we, like, the problem is that you no, know, we've we've both said this you no know, to each other you no know, on many episodes is that we don't. We don't really know what Stephen Gunn's remit is, so it's not we're not really a hundred percent sure, you know, where he is. But you know, Jim Goodwin, you know, I'm sure was coming to him saying, "I want a right back," you know, and maybe identifying a couple of names. But we but we don't we don't know how that works. Um, I know, and it should be a case of that there should be a link. You know, the manager should be working alongside, you know, the you know the football recruitment team, or we might call them like that. And I get that, but. And I, and I do think that no, there's it has to it has to be modernised. If you want to go, if if they want to go this way, that that you know Cormac is is decided we're going to be doing doing where it isn't just going to be manager in charge of everything, then fair enough. But it has to be it has to be done in the right way, and it has to be you no know, it, it has to be modernised. I mean, there's a there's a there's a there, there looks to be from the outside looking in, there looks to be a big problem in the football football um department at the moment. I mean, to look you know. I know a lot of people listening to this podcast won't care, but the, we've got a women's team that doesn't have a manager. You've got Gavin Levey covering it as a favour. No, the, 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 nobody's applied for it. No, so what, what's going? What's going on? There's something. There's something not right overall there, um, and that's something that is under the you know, the football management monitoring board's remit as well. It isn't just the men's team. I know most people listen to this only nobody's care about the men's team. Nobody's applied for it. No, nobody's applied for it. Is that based on insider knowledge or? It might be. <laughs> Just because that sounds like a fairly bizarre situation. Because no, they aren't having a great season either. Um, Gavin, so... Gavin, Levay's co- Gavin Levay's covering it, but he's, and he's covering it, but covering it as a favour. And it's like that's something that comes across the whole football football operation. So you, it isn't just you no. Know, there's a problem with the problem in this in the, with the men's team. There's a problem there where why why is nobody applying for this? What's what's not right with with the club that people aren't wanting to work there? I've waited eight years for you to give me an inside scoop. Well done. Well, I'll get one right. <laughs> um, so we might not have a, a manager, but we are still making signings. Um, Matty Pollock confirmed tonight. 21-year-old centre-back on loan from Watford. Came through at Grimsby. Uh, played a number of games there. Had a season on loan at Cheltenham in League One last year. Uh, this year, he's he's been at Watford, been in and around the squad, uh, but he's only played 120 minutes of championship action, 19 of which came on Saturday as Watford went down 2-0 at Middlesbrough. Uh, Anthony, God knows we needed some cover and reinforcements at centre-half. Yeah, I mean, I think we're just happy to get anyone in. I mean, what, what we do all find, what I particularly find quite worrying, that it's taken us to the you know, the 29th of January to get a body and I mean I know maybe we've we, I think I'm sure Goodwin mentioned early in the window we missed out on a target I don't know who that was I'm sorry I can't provide any more on on the name there but um, yeah I, I guess we're glad to get some sort of bodies in and like we've alluded to earlier on that Liam Scales is suspended but you know because of his performances recently he might have been out with the team anyway but at least we now know we've got another sort of natural centre-back and it might not mean that Ross McCrory's got to come across from uh, from right back um, on Wednesday night but yeah we'll have to wait and wait and see what this guy can bring I mean again you read from the club's statement they've said he's aggressive uh, in the air and, and things like that he's six foot three I believe so he should should on paper give us sort of more depth and uh, strength in that department but I guess time will time will tell um, whether he's up to it we've seen a lot of players of course 
come up from loan spells in England here and, and you know hasn't quite worked. You know, we've, if you look at it on the flip side as well, we've we've had defenders in particular. You think of, obviously Michael Hector is the big one, going back a few years that you know no one had really heard of when he came up and he made a, a big impression. But I guess time will tell, and you know hopefully uh, he can can make an impact. And I don't know, uh, you know where about Watford see him, uh, you know in the future plans going forward. He's obviously twenty one, so he's got a lot of sort of development to to come. But you know let's hope he can have a. I mean, he, can't, he probably can't do any worse than what we've got, let's be honest right now. It's, it really that's has hit an all-time right low in that that's sort of... Yeah, um, precisely, England, yeah. So, Martin yeah. Ingram, sorry. Um, I mean, it was a full season he played at League One last year, was Young Player of the Year for Chelton Town. Um, so, I mean, he is, again, for a 21-year-old, good amount of actual minutes in him. Yeah, and, and, and hopefully, uh, I, again, you're, again, you're right. I mean, we're all just kind of trying to get ourselves up to speed over the last, you know, 24 hours with some of these players. But um, um, it doesn't sound as if he had much of an opportunity in the Watford team this season. But obviously, like, you know, Cheltenham were, I think they were League One last last season, were they? Yeah, so, the table. <clears throat> so when you compare that to, because that, that was some of the concern I had about, I mean, obviously we're, you're, you're always dealing with younger players and you're hoping that part of that is the kind of potential they have to progress. And obviously if, if, if he was at Watford in the first place, you'd obviously hope there was something about him that they would be, you know, keeping him in and around the, 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 the squad this season rather than just looking to ship him off again afterwards. But um, um, that's a higher standard than, say, you know, you're thinking about when Jalen Richardson came through and he was playing in Notts County, who were effectively non-league. Um, so he has at least been more recently playing at a, a standard, which is probably more compatible to the standard he'll be expected to play at when he comes here. Um, but it still doesn't address the, you know, I mean, it's great that you've got a new player coming in, but, you know, you can't just expect a 21-year-old just to come into the middle of what is complete and utter chaos at the moment and just fix everything overnight. So um, the, the bigger the bigger headache is even if he is part of that solution going forward what what is the longer term solution i think there probably needs to be uh consideration about how how we're going to set up defensively are we are we are we now sticking with or going back to three at the back or, or are we going to be revert back to a four four two i did notice that i'm not sure what gameplay had and what sort of but i did see that cheltenham they were operating three at the back and he was right in the center of a back three so i dare say those options are, are still available again but again i think i'd be i'd be stunned if we weren't looking to try and get more defend defending first players in and around that it may well be for example certainly if we're going to go if we're going to go back to back four i think you think about the guys that Robson was working with last time. Uh, I think Jack McKenzie played for him under the one-to-one game he involved with last time and is perhaps more defensively minded, or at least more defensively willing yeah, he's, than Coulson is. He's injured, though. All oh, right, fair enough. So, yeah, so, so it maybe just well extrapolates that problem. I mean, you know, so Pollock is one of a set of defenders, but he, he can't make everybody. So if, yeah, if, if McKenzie's not available, we're, we're still playing, you know, Either guys like Coulson who maybe aren't aren't as willing to defend a lot of people, or guys at like Richardson that have zero inclination to do so, or people yeah. like Matty Kennedy or Johnny Hayes that are effectively forcing to be in a position that they don't normally play, and that doesn't really change. So brilliant that we've got a what sounds like a really capable young defender in, but it's an awful lot to ask for a twenty one year old to, 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 to change that around. I think we've got far bigger headaches around the, the back four. Yeah, I think the line, the line of McKenzie was long term. Maybe Anthony can uh, can back that up. But uh, fair enough. Yeah, it's um, 
Yeah, we, again, he was very vague on it. Gubin didn't didn't have a time scale or anything, so it could be you know within a week or within two months. We just don't quite know at, the, at this at this stage. Yeah, he's had a number of he's had a number of fairly substantial injury issues, I think, along the way. Um, and and you know, I agree with you. I think when we've seen him this season, he, he he's been a relatively solid option. Um, the the other incoming that's been trailed is uh, Jay Gorter, 21 year old goalkeeper from Ajax. Uh, one appearance this season for them, where he conceded five goals. Um, he'll fit in very well at Pataudry. 37 games for go-ahead Eagles, uh, one of the most fantastic names in world football. In season 2021, when he got promoted up from the second tier. Uh, and then uh, made the move to Ajax that summer uh, for around about a million. And has barely seen any top team action since. Uh, I, I very much expected the Gary Woods type to come in, uh, Martin Clunas. So um, I'm relatively impressed with the ambition to get hold of a, a guy like this. And, uh, you know, let's hope he is more Danny Ward than um, Gary Woods. Yeah, I mean, you, you imagine if things were going well and we just announced we were signing a 21 year old goalkeeper from Ajax, um, how excited people would be. Um, so, so look at it that way. I mean, yeah, it's a, it's a bit more. It does, like you say, it shows a bit more ambition than just picking up some guy, um, you know, a Nicky Weaver or, you know, a type from the from the English lower leagues. Um, but you know, I, I would assume he's coming in. I, I would assume he's not coming to play. I assume he's coming to back up, back up Joe Lewis. Um, but we'll see. Um, but yeah, like I say, cre- you credit them for the ambition of doing that. And going and getting somebody who is like who would be out of the uh, as a proper out of the box name. I'm pretty certain he'll be coming into play, Martin. And really? how, how dare you disrespect uh, League Cup winner uh, Nicky Weaver? Um, Anthony, <laughs> um, Jim Goodwin had said on Friday that some players who had been lacking game time would be heading out. Um, and there's a pretty obvious example. He didn't even make the squad on Saturday. I, I just wonder what, how you think this changes uh, with the fact that there's new management in the building. Yeah, I mean, as I think, as we all found out pretty quickly, Goodwin was, you know, very um, decisive in sort of making his mind upon players. You know, we've seen that with the follow-up with Christian Ramirez, you know, at the back end of last season, and yeah, Vicente Bissell is is sort of having that same sort of uh, situation this year. But yeah, it, it is interesting. You know, if a new manager comes in, suddenly you know you can cite loads of examples, probably from teams all over the place, where suddenly players that are you know, out in the cold, suddenly come back in and, you know, perform heroics. But, you know, I mean, I think Bissouin is one that Aberdeen fans have still, I know there's rumours over Christmas about him going home and stuff like that, but, you know, some people question the commitment. But I think he's one that, you know, he still does have that sort of bit of X factor when he's on his game and Aberdeen fans, you know, still want to see a lot more of him. He was quite a significant sign, you think, with the money they paid for him last January. You know, again, we don't know if, was that down to the more the department or was Stephen Glass behind that? We we maybe don't quite know um, as much, but he's definitely one that you think you know if, if you can get a manager that can get his arm around him and I'm not saying tell him, tell him he's amazing, but I think he's he he clearly looks like he's that kind of player that might need a lot of encouragement from time to time and maybe maybe Gubin wasn't that that kind of character. So I think there's always a chance that with people like him that you know if you, if you throw them back in, give him a, a couple of games, you know a good run in the team because obviously. Um, you know he's he's been a sporadic player since the, the League Cup. Really, when you think, um, I remember that game against Hearts. He, he played well, but he he certainly is one that he, he definitely has something in him. And you know, if you can get the right manager and and the right support around him, then I think he could could be a good, good player for Aberdeen. The other player, of course, is is Jaden Richardson, and I think he is. A, I wouldn't say he's an enigma, but we 
I mean, people you can make your mind up on him kind of quickly in terms of his. He clearly is. He's a young player, of course, but he's maybe not quite there defensively. But he's another one that you know, if you can get someone that can work with him, you know, on sort of the basics of his game in some senses, and that, and you know, give him a bit of confidence because he does seem that kind of player that maybe if things aren't aren't going well, then uh, you know, he he gets a bit down, and if the fans aren't quite on his side, then it's going to be tough for him. But I think that the, the fact is they're both young players, and if you can get the right person in that can work with them, then you know, there's definitely a future for Matt Aberdeen, and and the right back department, of course, is. You know, Ross McCurry is doing a job there essentially. So, and that is a that's a problem position for for Aberdeen for sure. So, if you know, if if you can get a player out of him and get a tune out of him, then you know he can definitely hold down a spot there. But again, that that remains to be seen on you know what happens between now and the end of the season and going forward. Yeah, Martin Ingram. If we're going to look back at that Jim Goodwin win, then clearly his the epitaph will be that the defending was easy to fix. But I think about some of those man management decisions and it goes right back to probably the first one he made with regards to Andy Considine uh, I mean they offered Andy Considine two grand a week they're paying Anthony Stewart more than three times that yeah I I've bored friends and work colleagues with this observation but the one thing we're obviously very focused on how it's turned out at the tail end of this season but one of the things I was I was most upset about at the time was this and, and not from everybody, but there was this kind of idea that when Jim Goodwin came in, um, we just had a squad of players that were a load of shite. And basically, anybody, you don't you, have, you need zero coaching ability or man management to come into a failing team, tell all the players that you think they're shite and that you'll offload them at the first opportunity. And it seemed to be this kind of idea of, well, you can't judge Jim Goodwin on the first four months, three, four months that he's in charge because these players are absolutely hopeless and wait until he gets his own players in. And then, of course, we now, I mean, we now have a back five. It was entirely chosen by Jim Goodwin and they're worse than what we had beforehand. So this idea that you can't work with the group of players that we have already just seems a nonsense. It's, it's definitely challenging, but is that not is that not what the whole point of coaching is? I mean, is that what every international management job is? You can't just go out and, I mean, I mean, with a, you know, you can obviously maybe kind of hunt through people's passports and try and find a few people with a Scottish granny, but you know, mo- the the essence of coaching is having a group of players at at your resource and and coaching them and seeing what you can do about them. And so, like what Anthony was saying about Jalen Richardson is absolutely right. I mean, maybe maybe in a more supportive environment where somebody or co- people within the coaching team are willing to work with him and actually kind of address, you know, get him to. You know, he clearly doesn't, clearly doesn't have that defensive instinct. But again, if you'd be coached and cajoled in, 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 into that process. But but it seemed very much in the Goodwin manner that it was just, you know, once he'd fallen out with you, then and that was it. And I think in the early days, again, I think a lot of people would say, you know, great, it's the kind of Fergie mentality. You know, you, you, you're, you're ruthless with your squad and you let people know whether you want to back them or not. But um um, I'd be stunned if anyone th- thinks now. I mean, I, I, there will be some people that think that. I need to be careful what I say. But I think a lot of people would have appreciated having an Andy Constantine around the squad right now that we don't have right now. We have again with 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 with, with scales being unavailable. We are de facto without a left centre back. So you know, Andy Constantine would have been improvement over having nobody. Um, and 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 while I don't, what I would say, I don't, I don't necessarily criticise Jim Goodwin for saying if if he had looked at it and said, I've got an idea to people I want to bring in the likes of Anthony Stewart and Liam Scales, I see them as being in front of Andy Considine, and I don't want to bring him in um, at a wage which would or with an expectation on Considine's 
end that he'll be playing as a regular starter. If 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 they were apart at that point, that's fine. It's a it's it's part of a coach's prerogative to say, you know, and be honest with players about where they see their involvement. But um, uh, I I I, th- I think what we've seen is, as I say, we had we've had a previous manager where he basically, without even trying to work with what we had, you know, I I. Again, the parallels are very similar. I think we're in the same situation now as what we were beforehand with a group of players that have clearly been recently underachieving, but I would still maintain the core group of that team should be good enough to get European football this season. Um, And it now now becomes incumbent upon Barry Robson or should we have someone in charge uh, on a long-term basis before the end of the season? My expectation is still that we produce a team that plays football that can safely get us into the top six and get us European football next season. I don't think that's an unrealistic expectation. And 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 I think the the for all for all the good intention, again, we've heard a lot about what and I don't doubt what a good guy Jim Goodwin is, but in terms of the man management and the coaching, I think I was severely failing. Uh we have a game on Wednesday, Joy of Joys. Um two home games this week in fact. Uh St Mirren and Motherwell are the opponents. I mean, I think. I barely even care at this point, lads, let's be honest. Uh, and we really are ripe for the taking in some ways. Um, and the real worry, um, Anthony, has to be that if the home form goes, which, as we said earlier on, is still pretty, pretty okay, if that starts to uh, spiral as well, this becomes, I think, Martin's um, complacency, shall we say, about a league position. Um, that's not going to last long. Yeah, you're absolutely right. You think, you know, a lot. Um, St. Mirren was one of those teams that we managed to, you know, get a, a good victory over um, at Pataudry in the early stage of the season. And uh, some of those results really are sort of propping us up the table in that respect to where we, we could be with, you know, with that shock in the way form. But, uh, I mean, it is, it is sort of a tough one. I mean, obviously, the St. Mirren game last time, you know, you, Goodwin would point to it as well that the red card early on, you know, obviously, it does, does swing the game. Um, after you know we, we we get an early goal, so in in that sense, yeah, I mean, you do think uh, in terms of how well we played in the first game that we, we should be able to beat them. I mean, St. Mirren have obviously got that that great record at home, but away from home they're, they're not the same team. So we you know despite the despite the the problems we've had, you know it's it has been an all time low in the last week. We should be going out going out there and putting a a strong performance in because you know we I'm sure there'll be a good crowd there on. On um, Wednesday night, you know, um, even though we don't have a manager and things like that, and and uh, you know the reaction, the negative reaction you think of the, the uh, around surrounding the club, basically, and especially around Saturday's result. But you know, I, I'm I'm not confident, but I think there's got to be a sort of an element of right. Okay, we've got to let the shackles off here and, and try and get at them. And you know, I'm sure that the statement was, you know, the statement they put out on Wednesday. I'm sure they had that in in mind that uh, if they could somehow get a result at under Goodwin at uh, Easter Road then these two games would be a chance to do that but obviously that's not materialised but you know Robson should just sort of go into these games with nothing to lose really I mean we're not too far away from the bottom I think it's nine points isn't it but we can't be looking down there again I mean to, to, to not even finish in the top six for a, a second year running would be a travesty really I mean let's say fourth place is still still within touch and distance we've got to do everything we can to, to try and get close to that again because you only have to go back a couple of months and we all probably thought oh yeah we'll get fourth place easy and we're pushing for third but just how quickly things can change but you know we've, we've got to be uh trying to trying to get to that 
we've seen some of the atmospheres in that in some of them home games. I remember the Hearts game as well. We played them off the park, really, and then you know we've seen what happened against them last week. But I think we, we've got something when we play at home. The fans, obviously, you know, in the red shed and things like that, get behind the team. And if we can get that going again, then that can kickstart us in the, the last three or four months of the season for sure. Okay, well, let's grasp hold of that little sliver of positivity and end the show on that note because God knows how else we're going to end on some positivity. So thank you very much, uh, Anthony, for that. And uh, thank you to yourself and Martin for dealing uh, with the uh, difficult aftermath of what's been... It's been a hell of a week, folks. It's been one hell of a week. So, yeah, my thanks to Martin Ingram. Thanks, Martin. Thanks, and thanks for having me on again. Thank you to Anthony. How Anthony Evans, uh, thanks very much. Yeah, thanks again for having me on. It's been a while and uh, certainly different circumstances, but you know, glad to come on again. <laughs> and through thick and thin, uh, Martin Clunas. Martin, thank you. Thank you, Richard. Uh, we'll be back with you oh, at some point. Three shows a week. You're not getting that for much longer. Until next time, keep the faith. Come on, you Reds.